Safety Net Studio presents. Talking movies with Brian Lataki. And here we go. Here's Brian Lataki. You can do it. Hello, friends, and welcome to Talking Movies. I'm Brian Lataki, and today we take a break from the spooky in exchange for some award bait with Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Well, 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 our war hero has arrived. You made a good choice coming back here. Those days are the finest, wealthiest, and most beautiful people on God's earth. They outsmarted everybody. They have the same. Who gets the oil? Son, I got a question. You like women? <laughs> That's my weakness. <laughs> the Osage, their time is over. We got to take back control of our home. I was sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. It's just bad luck. Seems more like an epidemic than bad luck to me. I don't even know if you love me anymore. Of course I love you and kill these men who killed my family. When oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under the Osage Nation land, the Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. Written by the team of Eric Roth and Martin Scorsese based on the book by David Gran and directed by Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Ernest Burkhart, Robert De Niro as William Hale, Lily Gladstone as Molly Burkhart, Jesse Plemons as Tom White, and features Tantu Cardinal John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser, Kara Jade Myers, Janae Collins, Jillian Dion, Jason Isbell, William Bellow, and so many more. There are times where I will put on a movie knowing well in advance that this is an Oscar bait film. You can generally tell by the cast, the crew, or the subject matter, and this is certainly one of those movies. The cast is full of heavy hitters, the crew is full of heavy hitters, and of course, the subject matter is an intense period drama designed to inflict a ton of emotion on the audience. Story-wise, this is the incredible true story of the Reign of Terror from 1921. The story is told from the perspectives of Ernest Burkhart and his wife Molly, whose family has a ton of money after oil is discovered on the ocean. Sage Nation Reservation. What follows is an emotional journey of anger, sadness, frustration, and disgust as Ernest is guided by his uncle to infiltrate and eliminate members of the Osage in order to profit. This movie could very easily be a tough watch for some, but I found it incredibly well done. When it comes to acting, this movie is an absolute knockout. Every single acting award will have a person nominated by the Academy for it. Leo is absolutely incredible. Throughout the movie, he goes from lovable to hateable to pitied to despised and then ultimately forgotten. It takes an incredible actor to play an audience the way Leo can. Lily Gladstone is my early pick for winner of the Best Actress Academy Award. She is downright amazing every moment she is on the screen, whether it's being strong and proud, beaten down, violently ill, or hysterical, she absolutely knocks it out of the park. Robert De Niro also toes the line of likable and despicable, as only an actor of his capability can. And then you have Jesse Plemons, John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser, and Scott Shepard on top of those who are all in incredible with their screen time. Then there's Kara Jade Myers, who actually steals scenes from those powerhouses that I just mentioned. The only real downfall of this movie is only a mark against it because it has to be. The runtime of this film is three hours and 26 
minutes. That's ridiculous. Going into the movie, I was ranting and raving about how hard of a watch this movie was going to be, not only because of the runtime, but because of the subject matter. It's an emotional shift alongside the physical shift. I was complaining about the need for a better editor and that I was expecting slow parts throughout the film, then sped up moments to make up for the time that they lost. But strangely, that didn't exist. I'm not sure how you could cut anything from this movie and still keep it as powerful of a film as it is. You just need to plan accordingly. Overall, Killers of the Flower Moon is as near a perfect movie that I have seen this award season. I knew the moment it ended that I was going to see its name called as a nominee, but also potentially as the winner. Just know that the subject matter, and of course because of the setting, the language can be a bit jarring. But then remember that this is also a true story. And on top of that, the ending was done to perfection, and in case you didn't realize, yes, that was Martin Scorsese, and yes, that was Jack White. I give Killers of the Flower Moon an A+. Well, it's officially fall and the weather is getting colder, so no reason that you shouldn't look hot. Nick and the team at Swish Barbershop at 844 St. Mary's Road are ready to line you up and make you look your best. Walk-ins are welcome, or you can visit my barber by booking today at boybarbernick.com. I've just been handed an urgent news story. Cannonball! Let's get into movie news you can use, and let's start it off with an update from the picket lines. SAG-AFTRA have released guidelines asking its members not to dress up for Halloween as their favorite characters due to the ongoing strikes. The guidelines state that if you are to choose a costume, to choose costumes inspired by generalized characters and figures, like ghosts, zombies, and spiders, while celebrating Halloween and staying in solidarity. The guide also suggests actors don't post photos of costumes inspired by struck content to social media, but says that group members could dress up as characters from non-struck content like an animated TV show. Former SAG-AFTRA president Melissa Gilbert responded via her Instagram, saying, quote, This is what you guys come up with? Literally no one cares what anyone wears for Halloween. I mean, do you really think this kind of infantile stuff is going to end the strike? We look like a joke. Please tell me you're going to make this rule go away and go negotiate. Gilbert then tagged current SAG-AFTRA president Fran Drescher, as well as chief negotiator Duncan Crabtree Ireland, saying, quote, For the love of God, people are suffering mightily, and this is what you have to say. Come on, guys, this is the kind of silly bullshit that keeps us on strike. Let's enact a policy that makes us look petty and incompetent at the same time. Meanwhile, at Deadline, it's being rumored that the highly anticipated sequel of Deadpool, titled Deadpool 3, starring Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, is expected to lose its May release date because of the ongoing strikes. Deadline is saying that even if the strike were to end in the next few weeks, it's almost impossible for the film to keep its original release date of May 3rd of 2024. According to sources, it's likely that Captain America Brave New World will move to an earlier release date, considering it's finished production. That would open up the July 26th, 2024 release date, and if Deadpool 3 isn't available for that point, it would shift to November. Over in casting news, it was announced that Kit Harrington, aka Jon Snow, has signed on to join Mark Gaddis's upcoming Lot Number 249. Lot Number 249 centers on a group of Oxford students, one of whom undertakes research into the secrets of ancient Egypt, which becomes the talk of the college. Can these experiments truly breathe life to the horrifying bag of bones, which is mysterious lot number 249? In other casting news, it was announced that former NFL tight end Vernon Davis has signed on to play a leading role in the upcoming horror film Please Don't Feed the Children, which is also the feature directorial debut of Destry Allen Spielberg, the daughter of Steven Spielberg and Kate Capshaw. Don't Feed the Children has secured a SAG interim agreement, which allows the film to be 
being made during the ongoing strikes. The film has the following synopsis. After a viral outbreak ravaged the country's adult population, a group of orphans head south in search of a new life, only to find themselves at the mercy of a deranged woman harboring a dangerous secret. Continuing with horror casting, it was announced that Chandler Riggs, also known as Coral Grimes from eight seasons of The Walking Dead, has agreed to star in the horror comedy Hacked, which also secured a SAG interim agreement. Hacked will tell the story of a family who loses everything to a prolific and elusive hacker aptly named The Chameleon. Parents Amy and Mark have $20,000 stolen, and their kids Ralph and Freddie get their entire digital lives hacked, social media, video game items, even their pointless online homework. When the bank, social media platforms, and law enforcement aren't able to help, the family takes matters into their own hands. The children of the family who have a passion for murder documentaries are the only ones capable of taking on the hacker. It was also confirmed that Riggs will be playing the hacker, the chameleon. Over in the rumor mill, or should we say the non-rumor mill, actor Daniel Radcliffe has officially stated that his incredible new physique has nothing to do with him playing any iteration of the Wolverine. According to Variety, Radcliffe has actually taken a lie detector test by Vogue, where his co-stars from his new musical, Merrily We Roll Along, actually asked the actor if his new body was connected to the Wolverine. Radcliffe answered, No. So you just got buff for no reason? <laughs> yes. <that is> the, <laughs> I got buff, you know, yeah, because I, uh, I am obsessive and uh, I, I want to, you know. You've seen my parents. They're like insane fitness people, so that's just been passed on and, and yeah. But no, no Wolverine. Flattered, but no. Radcliffe previously put the rumor to rest when he had told GQ, quote, I say something and then occasionally I get bored of answering that way, so I say something different. And that sets it off again. I should just never open my mouth. The Harry Potter actor actually previously told Entertainment Weekly as well that his height might be a factor of the rumors. He said, quote, Wolverine is short, so every so often they're like, who's a short actor? There's never been any actual truth to it. Every so often I get bored of answering the question sensibly, so I just make a joke like I did the other day, and that sort of has reignited the rumors. But there's nothing going on. Moving to the small screen, over at Prime, the boys spin-off Gen V has officially been announced of getting a second season at the streaming service. The renewal arrives ahead of the season one finale, which is expected to air on November 3rd on Prime Video. Vernon Sanders, the head of television at Amazon MGM Studios, said, quote, expanding the universe of the boys with a series as bold as Gen V has been an incredible journey for us and our wonderful partners at Sony. From our first conversations with showrunner Michael Fazekas and Tara Butters, a Along with Eric Kripke, Evan Goldberg, and Seth Rogen, we knew Gen V would push the boundaries. Their unapologetic approach is exactly what audiences love, and it has helped Gen V become the number one series on Prime Video in over 130 countries. Gen V is Prime Video's most acquisitive new original series of 2023, and we're excited that our incredible cast and crew are going to continue telling brave and bold stories from Gen V to our customers. Meanwhile, over at Netflix, the streaming service has announced that it will be raising prices on several of its plans in the US, UK, and France, including the basic and premium plans. The basic plan, which is currently being phased out and will no longer be available to new members, will cost $11.99 per month, up from $9.99 per month US. The premium plan, which allows subscribers to watch in Ultra HD and on four supported devices, is jumping to $22.99 per month from $19.99. The ad plan will remain at $6.99 
$6.99 per month, with the standard plan also remaining at $15.49 per month. As of now, there is no current plan to increase Canadian prices. Sticking with Netflix a moment longer, it was announced that the critically acclaimed Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse film will premiere on Netflix on October 31st. When Miles Morales is unexpectedly approached by his best friend and love interest Gwen Stacy to complete a mission to save every universe of Spider-People from a mysterious new villain who could cause a catastrophic disaster, Miles is up for the challenge. He and Gwen journey through the multiverse together and meet its protectors, a group of Spider-People known as the Spider-Force. However, Miles finds himself at odds with the Spider-Force on how to handle the threat. Across the Spider-Verse features the voices of Shameik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry, Luna Lauren Velez, Jake Johnson, Jason Schwartzman, Issa Rae, and so many more. And if you're curious what I thought, take a stroll back a few episodes and look for the one titled Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And finally, we end today on news that somebody got a little bit less rich, but can now say they own a one-of-a-kind item. An X-Wing fighter from 1977 Star Wars A New Hope that was long considered lost has officially sold at auction for $3.135 million US, or more than a third of the film's actual budget. This marks the highest-priced Star Wars item ever sold on the market, topping even the R2-D2 droid used in numerous installments, which sold in 2017 for $2.76 million. The model is a 124 scale model, which measures 20 inches and is considered red leader. Its S-foils are locked in attack position, making it an even more impressive display piece for the buyer. This model also served as the stand-in for Wedge's Red 2 and Luke Skywalker's Red 5, and came with an official listing noting a number of scenes that the model was actually used in. The starting bid for the X-Wing model was $400,000, and a similar model sold at auction in 2022 for $2.375 million. That's it for this episode of Talking Movies. Follow me on social media at Talking Movies PC and download full-length episodes on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And as always, it's real complicated. Sometimes you got to do one thing, even though you mean to do another thing. But I'm not in any kind of trouble at all. None at all.